This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Torch Sports Podcast. We are back this week with another episode. We're kind of in the midst of uh, March Madness here, boiling down to the final four teams left, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But before we do that, let's talk about Ferris Sports and what we had in the to- in the torch this past week. Um, starting out, the the sports section was some football news. The schedule dropped a couple weeks ago, and Brandon, you kind of wrote about that, and then Pro Day, and looking forward towards next season. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on, and especially in spring ball. I mean, obviously, people kind of let that stuff go. It's not the fall. Uh, it's more kind of seen as the offseason but still a lot of stuff going on and uh, I mean Jeff just getting the 15 practices back before the the annual spring game um, just kind of updating where everybody is there and I think the biggest one was the schedule seeing who our 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 path will be to potentially as repeat um, and a tough couple tough tests for sure I mean going to play Central Washington again that we traveled there to play on ESPN 3 two years ago and then Lena Ryan who is in the playoffs here as well Uh, Waldorf is a team I was not very familiar with apparently they're in the NAIA and they're, they're a pretty solid program um but you know not a not a team we're accustomed to seeing um play here at the division two level but that's going to be our homecoming game on uh, september 24th really early this year so uh, and then obviously we got finley and then a lot of a lot of good conference teams but i mean we're not going to have northwood this year we're not going to have ashland once again this year so it's going to be a new look on the season now when you got more out of conference teams i'm um, going to be on the schedule but i mean still I'm looking forward to a lot of the tough tests they got coming up especially early on in the season i think that really makes a statement to what this team wants to do yeah definitely obviously coming off the national championship you're looking to repeat and at least defend your title and in, in at the least um so you also talked about the spring game and you kind of talked you kind of covered football of last year so what are you expecting to see in a couple of weeks here. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to see how this uh, the depth chart's going to be spread out because I mean, obviously there's there's a lot of players that came up in almost rotational spots last year. I mean, we can mention like Tyrese Hunt Thompson is one of them that stepped in at the wide receiver spot uh, when Cy was down and out for a couple of weeks, and then he kind of. C- filled in that role and then you got like other guys like Mario O'Brien who is a, is a veteran on the team Brandon Childress at the receiver position and they, their roles are going to be kind of on what uh, we see from like guys like Xavier Wade uh, I know Cy, Cy Barnett as it went to the pro days mentioned in the article as well so he's probably going to be on his way out um, so there's a lot of open spots now and you got a lot of veterans and then you also got two huge classes one that hasn't seen the field in game yet since COVID and then you got this year's upcoming freshmen as well that are going to be in that mix as well and I mean we've had over 40 recruits that are top tier guys that we've got on signing day that we haven't really seen a lot of just from those upcoming past years so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how those play out because I know there's a lot of the veteran guys that are still going to be planning on coming back for a repeat um, obviously we're going to be losing about 10 guys that uh, went out and worked out on pro day a lot of those guys veterans like Dylan Pasquale uh, Tyler Miner uh, a lot of those guys as well as our linebackers Liam Daly John Higgins so there's a lot of open spots to fill but I mean with the depth I think is really what sets us apart to a lot of teams in the GLIAC we got guys that can start on any other program as their second and third string and obviously that's a good problem to have so but I think I mean at the mention or at the end of the article I mentioned basically it's the same mentality right it's the next guy up it's the same system and everybody's really filling in that role of what they need to do and I think the biggest thing is 
Like Coach Anise, like obviously values the upperclassmen and their veteran leadership. But if you can play, you can play as a freshman, and that's what he's been willing to do uh, with a lot of these young guys is get them in there. Especially when you talk about quarterbacks, as far as how many we're bringing in, and that we're going to be able to have them play in a multi QB system. It's going to be fun to see, and I'm really looking forward to seeing all of those assignments going to be on who's on what team, who's going to get each reps, and with what squad. And that's what the spring game's all about, kind of previewing what you can do in the fall. Right, so we'll get a glimpse of uh, Ferris football for 2022-2023 here in a couple weeks at the spring game. Um, and then another sport that Ferris has that's kind of moved into the offseason now, not a story about the offseason so much, but hockey, we had Captain Liam McDougal going to the ECHL. Dylan, you kind of cu- touched on that. You want to talk a little bit about his journey? Yeah, uh, sure. First off, obviously, congrats to Liam for signing his first pro contract and getting his first pro goal already in his first couple of games with uh, the Cincy, uh, Cincy Cyclones of the ECHL. Um, it's always really nice to see uh, those guys go pro. Um, obviously, we have a couple more that could go pro. Um, the McCallion brothers could up and leave or they could go somewhere else. Uh, Ethan Stewart left in the middle of the season last year. Um, I see Ethan Stewart. Yeah, transit. Yeah, transit. 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 Transit left. We got you. We got Ethan you. Stewart signed with uh, the Tulsa Oilers in the ACHL. Um, and apparently he's been pretty speedy up there or down there. Um, but based on who I talked to, I talked to uh, Jason Payne, the head coach uh, for the Cyclones. Uh, and it, it's weird overall talking to i guess lower teams in that whole ranking obviously echl ahl nhl um how things are different and how scouting works and how everything else works there because it's more word of mouth and the head coach that does scouting found that out um so i got it straight from the horse's mouth um um, Liam McDougal talking to that coach and he had a lot of positive things to say about uh, Liam uh, talking to Liam he was um, very happy and excited to be pro he even mentioned uh, that his scoring his first college goal was more exciting than um, scoring his first pro goal which I found a little funny uh, sent some jabs towards uh, Ethan Stewart <laughs> saying that he might uh, check him a little bit uh-huh. and slash him a little bit. That'd be kind of fun to see. But um, ultimately, it's it's good to see those guys go pro, um, which you can obviously check out in the article. Um, but overall, it was it was pretty pretty brief. Um, there's nothing really more to it that he went pro, got his goal, um, and both. His uh, past coaches, Bob Daniels, and his current coach, Jason Payne, had nothing but good things to say about him. So, obviously, I'm very happy for Captain Liam. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime anytime we get a player from any sport at Ferris that goes to the professional level, it's uh, super, super cool. So, good for Liam. Good for Ethan. Hopefully, some of these other guys can follow in the same step, but only time will tell there. Um, so, back at Ferris, we've got a couple sports that are currently happening right now, and one of those was tennis this past weekend. Joe and Jeffrey, you guys covered those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty nice. Uh, men's played really well. It's like 6-1 uh, on both days against MTU and Lake State. MTU, honestly, has gotten a lot better from last year. What I heard from Coach Dorn when I was kind of talking to him after, and then also just kind of getting quotes from him and stuff like that. But they had a guy who uh, was like a freshman taking on Matisse Gear, who's like the reigning 
uh, Gliak Player of the Year and also a senior. And he was hanging with him. I mean, Matisse beat him by a good amount, but each game was, you know, all the way down to, you know, it's like 40 all or uh, like it was like pretty close uh, each time. So he definitely gave Matisse a run for his money. But the one surprising thing, especially um, against LS- LSSU, was that, you know, Jan and Matisse, who are, you know, one of the best uh, doubles teams in the GLIAC and one of the best doubles teams in the nation. I think they're ranked, I think, 12th or something like that right now. Uh, they lost to them like uh, near the end, which was pretty surprising. One thing that not a lot of people were expecting. So those were two teams that, you know, last year weren't very competitive at all, uh, but they uh, kind of showed out for this one and was kind of given a little bit more competition. But like I said, overall, I mean, 6-1 win for both days. So it's not like it was too scary or anything for our, our guys to deal with. But, you know, there's some pretty solid play. Uh, you know, guys were starting to hit their stride a little bit, which is good since it's starting to be the midseason, especially now they're going to be playing Davenport uh, coming up, who I think is in the top 20 for the first time, or they just cracked the top 20 for the first time in school history. I don't know if they still are. I didn't see what the ed- outcome was for when they played Wayne State, but they're still a really good team, and that's going to be the one that's kicking off the weekend pretty soon here. So, Yeah, and a cool thing, too, for the men's uh, senior day. Yeah, that was really How's cool, that? too. Uh Coach Dorn had some really good things to say about um, Ayush Deswal, Josh McDermott, and Matisse Gear, and those guys were, you know, pretty solid. It was it was like a little impromptu because like it's if you ever been to the Racket Center, like it's pretty like small, and there wasn't like a big like show about it or whatever. It was just like gave him a plaque, said a few words about him. Everybody took a picture, and that was like a pretty cool thing. But it was like cool to see, especially since Doran took over like kind of right when they were starting uh, their collegiate careers because uh, what he's only been here since like the 18-19 season or something like I think that. So, yeah. so it was kind of cool to see how well their uh, relationships have already formed uh, with each other, even even such a short time since he took over for another coach. Yeah, for sure. And Doran, great guy. So Doran's a Doran's a gem. Yep, definitely. Jeffrey, for the women's side, how'd that go? Uh, for the women's, it was a little bit more of a tougher. Uh, Tougher matchup. I mean, they had two, four, three wins over the weekend uh, against um, Lake State and uh, Michigan Tech. Uh, but um, overall, it was it was a good weekend. They were able to come out with some wins after a tough loss to Grand Valley to start Gliac play. So now they're two and one to Gliac moving forward. Uh, they'll be taking on Davenport and then uh, Purdue Northwest over the weekend. Um, but uh, on the Lake State game, it was it was a tough game for them. It came down to the last match, and it was fitting because afterwards we talked to Doran and uh, Sam Stevenson was the one that hit the hit the ball to um, win the win the match for uh, the women. And then uh, we were talking to Doran, and he's like, "You guys interviewed her for the uh, Travis interviewed her for the for the um, video for Fair State Athletics." And Doran said, like, that was the first time she's ever been interviewed. And she's a senior and she won. And she doesn't usually she doesn't usually uh, play in singles competition. She's more of a doubles competition. And that was interesting because, like, she's a senior and doesn't really play, you know, singles much. And, you know, she's never been interviewed. So, I mean, being able to, you know, get her that first that first uh, interview out the way and then to see the excitement that they had after she hit the ball, they were all jumping. It was it was really cool. And then um, also, there was also I mean, a, a lot of good players playing well right now. Um, Sophie De La Vida is playing very well. Parker Nolan's playing really well. Um, they're dealing with a little bit of injuries. That's why Sam Stevenson was put in the singles competition. Uh, so moving forward, they just want to get healthy and continue the momentum going into the GLIAC. 
Yep, and they got a few weeks to do that. So hopefully we can see the uh, the women get healthy and both those teams can can perform well again in the GLIAC tournament. Um, Brandon, can we get our uh, weekly track and field update? Track and field, yes. Starting up this week at uh, Michigan State. Uh, Going to be good to get outdoors again. Been a month since we've raced, but uh, hopefully it's not this cold and it's not like sleeting outside borderline mm-hmm. like it is right now. Uh, but I think it'll still be it'll still be pretty nice. It'll be a nice meet. Uh, not too many. Uh, there will be some tough competition there, but it won't be like a, a huge meet where we'll we'll travel out of state and get those later in the season. So a nice little rust breaker um, and get out there. And I mean, we got a lot of we've had a lot of good training over the month uh, over ball for the men's and women's side. We've seen a lot of strides from a lot of a lot of the the, the underclassmen and then the upperclassmen have been have been putting in the work as well, especially some. Uh, I mean, really, for this year, it's really exciting because we're not losing a whole lot, especially on the men's side. Um, we're only losing one of our guys. And I think that kind of just speaks to, I mean, shout out to Andrew for all the work that he's done with the team, but I mean, everybody's coming back and just the fact we're seeing all these strides and improvements going into a season where we're going to have a whole nother, a whole nother off season to even get better is super exciting. And we've already seen progressions from cross to indoor. Now, hopefully we see even more to outdoor. And I mean, we got a, we got a great schedule, great competitive schedule this year, being able to go to uh, Bellarmine and Bucknell again. Those are two high class meets that we didn't get to do the last two years because of COVID. Um, so everybody's looking forward to that and really being able to rip out some real fast times this year and jump far and throw far as well sweet well we'll look forward to that for sure but uh right now we'll shift gears just a little bit as i mentioned earlier we'll talk about march madness for just a second and before we really get into the final four can we all just agree that our brackets are horrible this year does anyone actually have a good bracket right now my bracket might be bad but at least i'm getting extra credit for one that's true that is true dr a is gonna come in clutch with some extra credit there i will i will say this the one bracket pool we are in for class i just threw in a kentucky bracket I had no, I had no anticipation whatsoever of like actually putting in like a legitimate bracket. Not saying like I didn't put time into it because of course I did. Uh, and then they lost first round. I was like, oh cool, I, yeah, extra credit out <laughs> the drain. That's mm-hmm. fine, whatever. Uh, but now I'm sitting like what I think seventh right now somehow, even though my champion was out week one. Um, so hey. I mean, they're busted, but not terrible. But I feel like there's a lot of a lot of brackets this year where everybody's kind of like. They've gotten a lot of picks right, but when I mean when it comes to like the final four, it's almost like the easiest pick of the Blue Bloods wasn't the most expected in this tournament, which mm-hmm. is kind of because you look at the names that we have: Kansas, Nova, Duke, and North Carolina. You'd be like, oh yeah, pretty common teams to make it that far, but all at the same time, I feel like everybody that's where everybody missed. I think this year. Yeah, and I think that those four teams, especially. Uh, maybe outside of Villanova, but I feel like those other three were common upset picks. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people had North Carolina over Baylor, but I don't think many people had UNC over UCLA. Yeah, and I, I don't didn't. think a lot of people had Duke <laughs> making it super far just because of the way they struggled towards the end of the season. So definitely an interesting year for for brackets. And we say that every year, but this year it just seems like no one has a really great bracket. I picked Iowa to win, so. You can go from you can go from peak like I'm calling Baylor halfway through like February, like I did last year, and make it all the way, and then you can be like, yeah, I have no idea who I'm picking, and then whoever you pick like four different teams in different brackets, and then they all lose round one. It's yep. just the it's just that type of thing when it comes to brackets and March Madness every year. And in reality, there will never be a perfect bracket. I will put that down into impossible possible that yeah. you could get all of them right yeah i think what's the the closest was like one game into the sweet 16 perfect something like yeah, that yeah something like so that. not even really all that close yeah. but 
yeah, it's uh, we all love March and we all hate March for the exact same reason. Exactly. So, given that, same let's years. talk about uh, final four picks. If someone wants to kick off who they think is going to advance to the championship and then who the champion will be and why. Duke's probably going to beat North Carolina. I mean, it's a storybook ending last year, last season of Coach K's co- coaching career. He's probably going to be able to win this and probably win it all. I mean, they haven't won it since what, 20, 20, yeah, 16, 15. So it was a trade. It was a trade Jones and like uh, their whole group or whatever. Was it Okafor? Yeah, Okafor and them. Yeah, okay. So that had to have been 14 or 15. Okafor go to Kentucky. Was he Kentucky? Duke. I thought he was due. Either way, it's been it's been, a, it's, it's been, been a, it's been a while. Like, for sure. He's due for a, he's due for another championship. So, and I mean, North Carolina winning at Cameron Indoor uh, to end the season. I think it's going to be. It was twenty fifteen. Yeah, fact check that's that's called. Fifteen over Wisconsin that year. Good call. Yeah. Okay. That steel trap mind I have. Was that Frank Kaminsky wasn't it? Huh? Frank Kaminsky wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that game. Frank yeah. yeah, when they beat the yep. 30, 30, what thirty one and done or whatever team. Uh, yeah, Kentucky was undefeated that year, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah, that was a crazy game. But I think Coach K is probably going to win this one mainly because it's written in the stars. Like, first time North Carolina and Duke are meeting each other in the tournament. I mean, no chance. I think probably Kansas is probably going to win the other side. But, yeah, it's going to be Duke all the way probably. So I got I got Duke going all the way. I think the, the storyline is just it's, it's, it's too easy to get behind. I mean, Coach K's final, final year – retirement he's not going to go out on a loss they're playing really good right now paulo's really playing he's playing exceptional right now like i mean he's looking like the number one pick in the draft right now like i know chet and the upside that he brings but we see what chet did in the tournament and now we see what paulo did in the tournament i'm going with paulo and then uh on the unc side i mean armando baycott is he's he's good but uh, i just think that uh, duke's gonna end up winning it and then they're going to go to the championship and they're going to face Villanova. I think Jay Wright is going to uh, catapult um, Villanova, even though they did lose uh, Justin Moore. Uh, they're still going to be able to take care of business with uh, Kansas. I think coaching is going to be the deciding factor of that game. So Duke win against Villanova in the championship. Give me Duke, give me Kansas, and I'll take Duke taking it all. Um it's it's too good of a storybook. It's that storybook ending. Duke beats Kansas, the team he beat in his first national championship. Storybook. It's perfect. You couldn't you couldn't write it any better. Plus, uh, Duke versus Miami. I think right. Duke versus Miami. With Kansas versus Miami. Is that Is what it, you were talking about? The last week last week's game. Yeah, it was Kansas versus yeah, Miami. Kansas, Miami. Forget about that. It doesn't matter. But Duke, <laughs> way too good right now. Yeah, they're cooking. Like, I'll just, Duke is too good right now. But that, coupled with the fact that it is Coach K's last ride, you can't write it any better. I can't say it enough that there's no doubt in my mind that it'll either be, I don't, I don't even care, Kansas or Villanova. Either of those teams can make it. Doesn't matter because Duke's taking it all. Yeah, that's fair. I, I obviously we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have our prediction piece coming out really soon. I played the contrarian guy, so we don't have full round table. Uh, but obviously, you guys mentioned it. I mean, if Duke wins through against North Carolina and then beats Kansas, 
the writing is on the wall that this is the perfect way to end it. I think the only argument you could make that would be a little bit better is if you would have ran through the ACC tournament as well. But still, it's a fantastic finish. But I had North Carolina upsetting them, and the only reason why, obviously, besides playing contrarian to to the rest of the table, but uh, I mean, simply from what obviously Jeffrey mentioned, Armani Baycott has been playing phenomenal, and I mean, their guard play. I mean, especially against Baylor. Uh, and UCLA, the, they can show anybody can score on the perimeter. And that's something that comes huge in tournament time because we've seen other teams um, like Iowa, for example, uh, for I mean, you could even mention like uh, maybe like a team like Gonzaga that have they have a lot of premier guard play, but they all either play really well at once or not all or not all at the same time. And so that's where you can see a lot of the upset prone teams where North Carolina, they have two or three guys every game step up and some might have a down game and other guy picks it up. It's not an all in or all out situation. And the way they play on the boards has been really fun, really fantastic for me. So uh, I could see that being a possibility. Like I said, I mean, I think everybody's going to be cheering for Duke just for the storyline sake. But, and then I also had Kansas on the other side. I think Ojaja Baji has been playing phenomenal. Uh, and I think that that, I mean, Remy Martin coming back from injury has been just the boost that they needed really to get over the hump. Um, and especially against a Villanova team that might be a little bit struggling out. Justin Moore, I, that team dynamics going to it's going to change a little bit, I think, on the perimeter side. So they're going to have to slow that down almost to a similar game to against Houston, where we might see 50 to, to 40 if they want to beat Kansas in that game, which I don't see happening. But and then I had I think I had Kansas beating North Carolina. Like I said, this is like the opposite of what I feel like is going to happen. And I I strictly pick this, and I know I mentioned it in the, the last sentence of my article. It's like, I feel like this is not the way it is going to happen in my mind. So therefore, I'm picking it because it just <laughs> makes sense that it will happen that way. Because that's what March Madness feels like it's been to me this year. Everything that I've said, and I'm like, oh, this is how this is how this team's going to win. And it's almost just like, nope, that's not what's going to happen. It's like analysts know too much almost. That's what it seems like. You, you're better off picking mascots and probably getting a better. And I think this is scientific proven that if you have no attachment to basketball you do better in brackets yeah yep i definitely i definitely think that's a good point um see it's so tough because i think if duke wasn't in the final four kansas would be my clear pick Mm -hmm. to come out of this final four but the thing about kansas versus villanova is villanova can have one of two things happen they could crumble because of that injury or they could rally around Justin Moore That's true. and then play fantastic and win the entire thing. So it's just like, oh, who do, what side does that, what side of that do they fall on? I think Kansas will still win that game, but I don't know. I could very easily see Villanova taking it. I think the key for Villanova is going to be Colin Gillespie has to play well. He has to mm-hmm. shoot well. Mm-hmm. And the thing is also defensively, it's, it's, it's going to be a defensive game no matter what. I mean, that's just how Jay Wright has built this team to shoot and defend. Yep. And they defend really well and they shoot really well. And then when it comes down to those, you know, that last, you know, two minutes of the game and both teams in the bonus or the double bonus, Villanova doesn't miss free throws. Yep. So yeah. that's yeah, that, they're the that's, best free throw free throw shooting team ever, right? Yeah. Yep. Like eighty two point four percent or something. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's, yeah. I know eighty three point a, something. They they it's they're up like there. Point, they're like point one ahead of like the second best team. Very, very, very good free throw shooting team. If you're team. over 80% as a team, that is that's absurd. Elite. That's that elite. is absurd. It's, Their worst free throw shooter is like 76%. Is a 76%. Yeah. yeah. That's 76.6%. A, that's a lot of teams' best free throw shooter. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a guaranteed three out of four. And yeah. your worst guy. Yeah. 
Sheesh. So just for Ridiculous. the sake of argument, like Brand said, being different, I'm going to take Villanova in that game. And then in the Duke-UNC game, oh boy, see, it's, it's kind of the same thing here too. Like if UNC, if RJ Davis, Caleb Love, Baycott, and Manic all play well, UNC will run away with the game. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. they don't, then Duke will run away with it. UNC does have the red mamba though, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's the, that's the thing about Duke. They or if UNC to win this game, they can't let it get close because I will admit completely if the game is within five or within 10 in striking distance, like every team in the, in this whole tournament they've played has been in trouble. Yep. Michigan State did the same thing. Exactly. Texas Tech did the same thing. And then do what 10 10 0 run to, to be Arkansas in the in the last yep. Elite Eight game that they, they know how to make a run at the end of the game. And that's, and I mean, Paul has been a big part of that. And I think Mark Williams Mark as Williams well. Has been that guy, just, he does not get enough credit for the well. He's played Roach as well. I mean, there's yep, a lot Jeremy of other Roach. pieces. Yep. Obviously, you know, the lottery pick and Charlie's going to get all the attention, but those guys play just as well. But I mean, North Carolina Duke in the title game, first time, last time for Coach K. I mean, it's just going to, like this game, you had to move it to prime time. Everyone's going to watch this game because it's going to be yeah, fantastic. for sure. Jeremy Roach is so, so elusive and so like, so gritty because like you could see it on his face. Like he, he's going to do whatever it takes to yep. like get a win. I mean, watching the games, he was just like, he's he's so quick that like it's it's hard. Like as soon as like you get hit that screen, he's like already in the middle and it's already a pull up jumper right there. Or if you or if you kind of like cheat off the screen, you got a lot past to Paolo and Mark. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I think I think Duke does end up winning that game. But again, just like the Nova Kansas game, I think UNC could very easily win it. They have two big guys that can slow down Duke's interior game. They have great offensive guard play. But I think Duke will win that game. And then just for the sake of argument, I'll take Villanova in the championship winning. I think nice. the senior leadership from Villanova, the free throw shooting. The coaching, the coaching prowess of Jay Wright takes down Shashesky in his final game, final chance for a championship. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to put Jay Wright in, like, obviously he's an elite tier, but I mean, you get a guy that wins three since 16, that that might not be done ever again. I think Jay Wright is could be the best. You can make an argument for Jay Wright being the best coach in basketball right now. Yeah, and even, yeah, I think definitely down the line, obviously he wins more with a lot, a lot more teams, and even if he takes it another era, uh, hypothetically into another decade of basketball and wins there. I mean, he's got to be in that conversation because I think right now you look at a lot of people are saying like Coach K over Wooden like right now. I mean, he just passed the mark. He's won all, more and more. He's won more in more decades. I mean, Wooden obviously made a huge run um, early on with those UCLA teams in the 60s and 70s. But I mean, Coach K has done it throughout a lot of decades against an advanced and even a new breed of basketball has really been the biggest part. And I think that, I think that really gives a testament to him and not only in this college career, but I mean the pro career with team USA, I mean, team USA teams have been dominant under his tutelage. So I think that's, I mean, right now you look at the final four and you're like, this is, this is great coaching galore. I mean, this is, this is going to be a fun final four just to see the chess matches between each team because like there's no straight up favorite. There there really isn't. I mean, last year you kind of had that Gonzaga, Baylor. I mean, probably these two teams are going to meet and almost 50% of the brackets, that's what happened. And then it obviously did happen. So and it's really a situation of like now it's like, man, we got an eight seed. We're talking about winning the national championship. You don't say that very much too often. And only one seed in the final, only one one seed yeah, in the final too. four as well. So are we going to see any late game heroics? 
Oh. Half court shots coming up. Gordon Hayward off the back <sighs> iron or I mean, off the glass. Last year it was it was, it was think... a legendary shot. I mean that, that shot's going down in history. So I mean, are we are we are we going to see any repeats? It's so hard no. to predict if a player will make a a crazy shot like that. But I do think that you're right, Jeffrey. I think both these games will be very close unless UNC's entire team plays well. Both of these games will be close. Otherwise, I think UNC runs away with it. Mm-hmm. I, that's I, tough to make a prediction on. That sort of a thing. I mean, like Chris Jenkins part two, is that kind of where you're going at mm-hmm. as far? Yeah, that's, oh man, that'd be tough. I would love to see like a, a huge game winner for like Duke in that, in that, in that final four game against UNC. I think that would be, that would be super cool. But I, I, I feel like either uh, what, what Brody said, honestly, with both, of the, with both of these games, I feel like if one team just grasps a hold of the momentum, it's going to be hard to, it's going to be really hard to take that and try to, try to chop it up and get back into it the only uh, the only team that i can really see as far as like that can play down and out and then flip a flip a switch is kansas because they've yep. done it multiple times well they did it against miami last week to yeah, some extent they, i mean they, they played so poorly and then it was just like yeah yeah 47 15 half real quick nothing too nothing easy but i i think it's going to be really fun but i would love to see like obviously like you'd if Paulo hit a game winner in the national championship for Coach K, I mean, I don't even know what that press conference would be like. It'd probably be too many tears for him to even talk, and it would, it would certainly be something that we'd be watching for the next two months. I definitely think it's going to be a great Final Four. And yeah. like you said, Brandon, I feel like this is the one year where legitimately any one of the four teams in the Final Four could win it. Where oh, last yeah. year it was like, okay, Gonzaga, Baylor. But this year it's like, I mean, you could flip a coin. It's really. kind of crazy we got three blue bloods and then... Villanova, which is not a blue bud. I, feel, I mean, they, I feel like people I probably think they're not at this they're, point a blue bud. Yeah, I think program. they're in that conversation now. They're not technically no, but I don't think anyone would argue the fact that they are. Right. I mean, yeah, I would argue they are. Yeah, been to the tournament straight times and uh, Sweet Sixteen straight times. I mean, that's that's hard to do. So, Jerry got them, got them, got them moving over there. Yeah, would you? Who would you consider more, Villanova or Gonzaga? It's a Potential blue blood. Oh, Villanova. Villanova, Villanova. Villanova right. for exactly. sure. Exactly, because some people were making the Gonzaga argument two years ago. I mean, obviously, after them coming off the loss to 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 North Carolina, uh, and then even last year with Scott Drew taking them down. I mean, they had that conversation, and we're like, wait a second, there's every nobody crediting Villanova for what they've done. They've already they could be in a position now where they win three times in the last six, seven years. So how or even six seasons, obviously with COVID. So I mean, last year, I mean, you gotta think. Uh, Talon Gillespie went out, went down with the with the ACL. So I mean, that kind of like yeah put their tournament hopes a little bit down. But I mean, they were favorites going into the tournament. Yeah, they had yeah. to be before he yeah. got injured. Yeah, and Gonzaga is what made the. F- I mean, what you just compare the stats of two titles, Villanova and Gonzaga's only made it to the final four or final four twice, right? And then you know, made it to championship and lost both of them. So I yeah. don't know, man. That's I mean, a tough I think conversation. If, if you look at the three non-blue blood teams that could be blue bloods you're looking at like villanova gonzaga and then michigan state and villanova is clearly superior to both those other two programs in my opinion in recent years mm-hmm. so yeah. i think you could you could have made an argument too for like uh maybe florida end of the 20 the 2010s mm-hmm. around there when Bill, yep. billy donovan took like three teams uh to the championship game uh with like joe kim and those guys you might be able to make that argument back for them uh you maybe i don't know there's there's a lot of teams we can consider in the conversation uh maybe you could throw in a team like possibly 
you could throw in maybe Indiana just for their their historical prominence. I mean, winning a couple titles under Bob Knight as well, and that, that's like the historical program that has been very successful as right. far as like from 1980 till now, like comparably to like a lot of these teams of North Carolina, Duke, and them. But I mean, if you're looking at like current teams right now, I think there's no argument that Villanova at, like has to be in that conversation. Yeah, I'd, I'd put Michigan in that conversation as well. Yep. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean. This year they've they kind of like underperformed a little bit because they were projected projected to be you know one of those well top right ten time, teams for sure mm-hmm. but they definitely performed in the in the tournament until they ran into you know well, yeah common theme is Villanova <laughs> oh, yeah that uh, long term elite coaches yep. with all these teams yep. and I think that's the bottom line because you have other teams too like maybe even UConn like could be in that conversation if Jim Calhoun would have stayed there longer exactly and moving on to Kevin Ollie's made it a lot harder obviously you know Kimball in 2014 team made a, an, an exceptional difference but I mean since then they haven't been the same as far as these other teams you have we got Bill Self uh, Roy Williams obviously now moving on to Hobart Davis and you got Coach K and they have Jay Wright so long term coaches breed blue bloods that's pretty much all we've learned from this final four and to be able to like uh, also you kind of got to consider like Hubert Davis and uh, kind of like Jawan Howard they they inherited a good program from a very so good coach to be able to keep as well. it going it, it also says something to their coaching ability as well mm-hmm. definitely yeah and then we have some other I mean we have some really good programs starting as well I mean Arizona right now looks like they're in great hands after the first year uh, I mean you look at Ed Cooley what he did to Providence to turn that yep. team around so you got a lot of good coaches and I mean. Hey, even yeah. I mean, obviously, can Eric Musselman's been good for the yeah, past few Musselman's years. Yeah, Musselman's been great too. I mean, he's bring he brings energy to all of Arkansas's games, yeah, which definitely. I really enjoy. I mean, even him talking in the media, it's like, yeah, he, lo- he you can just tell he loves his job. Yep. He, he loves coaching that team. So definitely, uh, a lot of good, a lot of good coaches here, and I mean, it just makes March Madness that much better when you got those names to keep an eye out because you know every year it's like, yeah, that team's gonna be good, and I'm excited to watch them. Exactly. So I think that'll do it for us here today. Um, not a super long episode, but we we talked about the the pressing issue, which is March Madness, latest torch edition. And stay tuned for next week's episode, where who knows where we'll where we'll go, but for sure talk about the torch. Pick up your copy or check it out online, and we'll see you later.